0: And as you're uh, being seated, I'd love for you to turn in your Bibles, uh, whether you have a copy like I have here or you have an electronic uh, version or an app on your phone, whatever you got, I'd love for you to turn to the book of Acts. Uh, if you're new to the Bible, the Bible is divided up into two sections, two main parts, Old Testament New Testament. Acts is in the New Testament, so it's going to the right, it's just the fifth book of the New Testament, and some of you here were going to Acts. You might be saying, what about 1 John? I thought we were going through 1 John. We are. Uh, we're going to get back to 1 John in a few weeks. Uh, so three weeks, uh, two weeks from now, we're going to get back into 1 John. But we want to kind of put... First John on pause just for two weeks, this week and next week. And, and we're going to think over these next two weeks. First, uh, this week, we're going to talk about uh, loving our city. And, and not, again, just the place, but the people in our city, in our community, where you live, Brunswick, Medina, Valley City, Hinkley, Strongsville, wherever you might live, loving the people in that place. And then next week, we're going to talk about our, uh, our attitude or, or, uh, to, towards the next generation, those coming behind us. What are what is our attitude as a church body uh, towards them. So that's kind of the next two weeks. And then the third week, we'll get back into First uh, John. So what's going what's gonna to happen today is going to be a little different. I'm going to just speak for a little bit. And then uh, I'm going to invite uh, uh, Nicole Doringer to come. And she's going to share about uh, a new ministry that we have the privilege to be a part of starting at the Brunswick High School, uh, a crew ministry. And some of you are familiar with crew. You've heard about it. You've maybe been involved in it in different ways. Some of you are like, what in the world is crew? So Nicole is going to talk about that. So I'm going to just speak for a little bit and then is going to come and kind of unpack crew and what's happening and how you can uh, partner in this new ministry that we have the opportunity to help start uh, just right down the road at Brunswick uh, High School. But, but Acts chapter 17 is where we are. Just going to kind of lead up, set the stage for what Nicole's uh, going to share. So some of you are very familiar with Acts. You know what it's all about, how it took uh, the author, all the type of stuff. Some of you have no idea who wrote Acts. Acts was written by Luke, who also wrote Luke. So got Luke is kind of part one, and Acts, if you will, is part two. Luke records the, when Jesus was on the earth, the life, his ministry, what he did, and then Acts is now, he's now back to the Father, and now the Holy Spirit has been poured out on all the people, all the church, all followers of Jesus, and now the gospel is being taken up by Jesus on earth, but now his disciples are spreading this news and this message, and so Acts is kind of the progression or the spread of the gospel. There's a lot of stories in there, a lot of people are talked about. One of the main people that's talked about is Paul, who was first Saul, and he was he's the guy who uh, was, the uh, beginning of his life as an adult, was against Christianity. Was doing everything he could to stop the spread of this message, this good news, this talk about Jesus. He was doing everything he could to stop it. We have recorded for us early in Acts, uh, him holding the coats or the cloaks of those that are throwing the stones at a man named Stephen. In a way, he's giving his blessing on these men who are hurling these stones at Stephen, killing him. That's Saul, who would later become Paul, and Paul is, Saul's is on his way to, to persecute, to arrest more Christians, and God literally knocks him to the ground, blinds him with this light, speaks to him, says, why are you persecuting me? And in, the, in those days that followed after that blinding light, uh, another disciple goes to him and prays, and his eyes are opened, and Paul is transformed. Paul is born again. And so now Paul goes from being one who persecuted to now one who is a disciple of Jesus and now is helping start churches and teach people and disciple people. And, and so in the book of Acts, we have many of his journeys through all these different cities and communities to start churches. And many times his message was received well. People were like, oh, it's awesome. And they believed and they trusted and, and the church was started and in those communities, many communities. But sometimes his message was not received well. And he was persecuted and his life was on the brink of life and death. And one of the, uh, the, the context of the chapter we're going to look at today is Acts 17 and, and he's going to be in a city called Athens and he's in Athens because people didn't like what he was saying. He, they didn't like what he was saying in Thessalonica and they basically ran him out of town. And so his disciples, his followers, his people kind of get him to town and say, Paul, you got to get out of here or you're going to die. So he goes on to the next town, to Berea. Not up the road. It wasn't up the road, but, you know, okay. Just so you know, he wasn't here close. Uh, so he goes to Berea, and the people from Thessalonica here, oh, Paul's in Berea. So now they move to Berea, and they start stirring up riots in Berea. So Paul now has to move on to Athens to, again, flee for his life. So he's basically running for his life to get away from these people. He's waiting for his kind of partners in ministry to catch up to him. And then they're going to go on. So this is where we find him in Acts 17. And what we're going to watch in Acts 17 is Paul moving to this, what I would call like a temporary home, if you will, a temporary community to live in, to kind of rest, recuperate, as he waits for his kind of teammates to catch up to him and then go on to the next place. But in these moments, as he's in this place, he loves on the people of Athens. He loves them. And, and this is what we're going to talk about today, that based on the love that you and I have been shown in Christ, that love that we've sang about uh, this morning, the love of God that is greater than any of our sins, The based on the love that we have been shown, we are then to love our city Love our city. And again, I'm talking more about, not just, not just we're not talking today about you just loving the place you live, loving the street, the home, and the, the, the community. Like, that's all great. I, I hope you do love the place you live. Some of you don't. <laughs> like, you're like, man, I wish I lived somewhere else, you know? But right now, you live somewhere in this geographic region. And we're not just talking about just loving the place we live, the street, the yard, the home, the apartment, the condo, whatever it might be. But really, we're talking about loving the people. That are in our community, that are on our neighborhood, that you work with, that you go to school with. I shouldn't talk about school. We're in summer right now, but but, but you, you love the people. You might say, well, that's obvious. That's like 101 Christianity. Yeah, love people. But sometimes the church, we don't have a we don't have a love towards the people in our community, the people outside of the church. Sometimes you can get almost in this us versus them mindset. Or and sometimes we are relationally separated. We are not friends with people who do not know Jesus. We have friends in the church, friends in Christ, and we should have friends in Christ that we share life with, we encourage each other, we pray with, but at the same time, I believe God's design is that we, through relationships, would show and share his Love. I, I came across this quote this week recently uh, from a, a man named David Fitch, who wrote a book called Faithful Presence. And what he says is this: God is present over the whole world, yet he becomes visibly present through a people who make his presence known. God is present everywhere. Yet God becomes visibly present. Through a people, the church, not a building, but the people, you and I. Through a people who make his presence known. Through us, through our relationships, through our interaction with these people that God has put us around. So so we're going to learn from Paul. We're going to learn from Paul in Acts 17, what does it look like to love our city? What does it look like to love our city in just three simple ways? And then Nicole's going to share. We're going to learn learn from Paul to love our city with our hearts, with our heads, and with our hands. With our hearts, with our heads, to learn, and with our hands. We're going to do some things. And that's what I believe Paul does in this story in this giving us an example so let's start with our hearts i think this is vital our hearts Acts 17 verse 16 it says this while paul was waiting for them so he's waiting for his teammates to kind of catch up to him and then they're going to move on to the next community while he was waiting for them in athens he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols Now, again, think of the circumstances. Paul just is basically running for his life through from one community to the next, and now he's in Athens, and and now he's here in this place. He's by himself. He's waiting for his associates, his friends, if you will, to join him. And Paul, in this city, now you would think if it's us, what are we looking at these, these weeks or these days as? Like a vacation. Like I just run for my life. And now I'm going to kind of kick back a little bit. I'm going to relax. I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to find a little place to hang out until everyone else gets here and then we're going to move on. I'm not going to get to know anyone. No one knows me here. I can just hide out. But that's not what he does. Paul's heart is moved by what he sees in the city. It says... He was greatly distressed when he saw the city full of idols. Some believe that at this time there might have been upwards of 30,000 idols in Athens. These are man made images, statues. Whatever they might be, but they've been man-made in some way. Some some think there are thirty thousand of these, just scattered. These statues, these idols for the people. These gods. These people are literally going to these man-made statues, hoping that as they honor them, as they bring offerings to them, as they pray to them, that in some way they will grant success and health and 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 uh, uh, um, money and what like all those things. Like take care of their family and their business, like whatever they're doing, and they are offering all these things, they are praying to these things, some might even be bowing down to these idols, and Paul's heart is moved when he says, he, they were made to worship God, and now they're worshiping these idols. And instead of just turning an eye, a blind eye to say, "You know what? I'm only going to be here for a few weeks." And then I'm moving on. Paul is moved. <laughs> He's distressed. I think in a way he was saddened by what he saw in this place. His heart may be broke for what he saw the people doing. The state, if you will, of the city. And I want to ask the question, do our hearts break for the brokenness in our communities? Friends, are our hearts moved when we see the brokenness in our communities? Because if our hearts aren't moved, I don't think we'll move towards people. If there's not a heart, if there's not a desire, if there's not this motivation to say, I want to move towards them to help bring healing and wholeness and help and love. I don't think we'll move towards them. Now, you might say, we don't have 30,000 idols, man-made idols around our communities. (coughs) We don't. But friends, we have idols. They're not man-made idols, images that maybe we're bowing down to in the streets or in our homes. But let's talk about idols, idols of success and fame and wealth and materialism and sex and self and the American dream and substances. And we can go on and on and on with the idols in our culture. So friends, when you and I as followers of Jesus see people, maybe not literally bowing down to these things, but you know, honoring them with everything in them, do our hearts break? And break in such a way as are we distressed? That says, I gotta do something. I can't just sit back. I can't stay away. But I gotta move towards them. Paul was moved in his heart and moved towards people in this temporary home, if you will. And it wasn't just his heart. He used his head. He used his mind. He thought. He, he studied. Let's move to think about how, what does it look like to use our heads, our minds? What does Paul do? Let me read verse 20, um, Acts 17, verse 22. So Paul sees this. And then Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, "Men of Athens." So the Areopagus is this, is this place, and we're told earlier in chapter, uh, in chapter 17, verse 21, about this place, what takes place there. It says all the Athenians uh, and the foreigners who live there. This is basically what they do all day. They spent their they uh, spent their time doing nothing, about, but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. So, so the men, the, the foreigners, the people of this community just gather in this place and they're just talking back and forth about the latest ideas and philosophies of life. And so Paul shows up at this place and he says, men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. And here's, I see what Paul using his mind, his head. He says, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Now, what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim. Paul says in verse 23, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, he shows up. He's brand new to this community and he sees the idols all over the place and his heart's distressed. So instead of going right to the people to say, listen up, you need to hear what I have to say. What does he do? He walks through the community and begins to study and look and carefully observe what they're doing. He, he wanted to understand the culture that he was in. And he took the time to do it. Friends, sometimes, and I know when we think of culture, there are a lot of ugly and scary things out there. But friends, this is the culture we're living in. These are the times we are living in. And sometimes in, in the church culture, sometimes we have like the ostrich mentality. We stick our heads in the sand. And we hope it's all going to go away. And we don't even want to look at those things and think about those things and understand those things and talk about those things. But they're, they're reality. This is the culture we are living in. I like what uh, Walt, Walt Mueller, who runs an organization called CPYU, some of you maybe have heard about it. It's the Center for Parent and Youth Understanding. It's in Pennsylvania. And they put out a, a lot of research or, 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 or uh, materials about culture and specifically youth culture. And uh, there's books and there's, web, there's a website and they have a blog and a lot of other materials out there. But, but I like the way uh, Walt Mueller, descri- I heard him talk about this a number of years ago. He describes culture. He's talking about youth culture, but I think we can broaden it to culture today. He describes culture as the soup, if you will, that our kids, again, he's talking about youth culture, but this is the reality for all of us. It's the soup that we swim in every day. And what he says, our role as parents, as grandparents, as those who influence the lives of kids, uh, uh, you know, those coming behind us, if you will, (laughs) our job is to take the lid off the soup and look inside and stir it around a little bit, to not be naive to things of culture, but to look at them and study them and try to understand them because culture is influencing people. And what Paul does is before he just goes to them and says, I want to tell you something. He takes the time to understand them and the culture. I'm not saying you have to watch every TV show. You have to watch every movie. You have to listen to every single song, you know, whatever it might be. But are we willing to even look at it and and try to understand it, how it's influencing the people you and I are interacting with? And there's also this sense in Paul that, that he takes the time to get to know the people. Get to know the people of the culture. I, I think there was conversations as he walked around. Tell me what you're doing. Tell me about that God. Tell me about that idol. Why are you doing that? Why? I think there was an understanding. And I think sometimes uh, in our neighborhoods and in our, the people God has put us around, we don't have the time or take the time to get to know people. We have this Sometimes we have this message that we want them to know, but we never get to know them. And you all know the saying, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. Are we willing to care and love people? To ask them about their lives and understand how we can bridge into their lives and talk to them. We have to study, we have to understand, we have to look at these things. And understand the culture that we are living in. But then it has to move to our hands. We have to do something. It, it, it moved his heart. He then moved to studying, looking around, asking questions, looking at the culture. But then he actually did something. Jumping down to verse 17. Verse, going back to verse 17. It says this. So he reasoned in the synagogues and with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks. So he went to where the, the religious people would be. He went to the synagogues. He went to Jews and God-fearing Greeks, but he didn't stop there. He went also to the marketplace, day by day, with those who happened to be here. Paul put himself in the intersections of life so he would interact with people. Are we willing, like Paul, to intentionally put ourselves in positions and in places that we will interact with people who do not know Christ. We have this message to share, but if we're not in friendships, in relationships, in spending time with them, in our neighborhoods. And this is something like, are we, are we inviting our neighbors into our homes? Are we talking with our neighbors? And, and, and sometimes the American culture, we are so busy, we're never home. And our neighbors never see us. And we never see them. But that is a place, that is an intersection, if you will, where we can interact with people. Did you notice that it said he reasoned with them? It's the sense of, it's a conversation. I'm not forcing this down your throat. But it's this conversation Jumping down to verse 24, it says, The God who made the whole world and everything in it is the Lord, the heaven of earth, and he does not live in temples built by hands. And he does not serve by humans' hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek, seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Now this is interesting. For in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets say, have said, we are his offspring. Do you see what he did there? He quoted one of their own poets to build a bridge into their lives. It would be like if he said, did you see the newest episode on Netflix? And there was a bridge that he could use from that episode on Netflix into this person's life that you're talking to. He used what they were experiencing in culture to build a bridge into their lives. And that's where the importance of understanding the culture came in. And I get the sense that Paul did it did all of this with respect there was not a demandingness he did talk about Jesus but he did it in a respectful honoring way he loved them and he did it with respect he treated them as people not projects and he wanted to share about the love of Jesus with them. So I want to, as we talk about our hands, like what are we doing? What can we do? We can all do something, and we'll talk about this at the end. We'll all do something in our neighborhoods and in our in the workplace, the places we go. But I want to, I want you to hear from Nicole Dorringer about crew. And, and I want to just kind of set this up to say, like back in 2010, we got involved in an, a, a program. Uh, God invited us to be part of a program called Kids Hope USA. Some of you are mentors that are part of that. And basically what it is, is it, it's one school, one church for an hour a week. So during this past school year, we had some 30 mentors, I believe, go to Applewood Elementary School and mentor kids. We've done this now the last five, six years. So then a few years ago, we were invited uh, by the then principal at Edwards Middle School, right up the road here, to start a boys and girls club. Uh, There was something that was going and uh, had stopped going for different reasons. And the principal, then principal of Edwards Middle School said, we'd love to see this start again. Could your church do it? And so we partnered now with Edwards Middle School. We have a boys and girls club that meet a few times a month during the school year. And what's great about that is the kids that go through the Kids Hope program at Edwards Middle, excuse me, at Applewood, many of them graduate and then go up to Edwards Middle School. So now we have an opportunity to interact with them again. And we've just been praying over these last really number of years God, what would you want us to do at the high school? And so when Jeff and Nicole Doringer joined our team in the fall of last year, uh, Nicole has a background in crew and has been involved in crew. And uh, we started dialogue. What could this look like here in Brunswick? And we believe God is opening a door for us at the high school, uh, Brunswick High School in the fall. So I'm going to invite Nicole up, and uh, she's going to share with you more about that, how you can partner uh, with her, and what's happening uh, there at the high school. Would you welcome Nicole this morning? <clears throat>
1: So as Pastor Tom said, we have a new opportunity to help reach, train, and send high schoolers with the gospel. Um, As you can see, some of you might think, oh, high schoolers, are kind of scary for me. But that video should take down all your defenses and say it is a lot of fun. Um, You can go to the slide that... Yes, exactly. Um, So I'm on staff with Crew. Some of you are familiar with Crew. Is Campus Crusade for Christ? I've had conversations with some of you who have kids who are involved with Crew at college. I have some. uh, I've had conversations with some of you who support other Crew staff members. Um, I've had conversations with those who've been personally impacted by Crew. For me and my husband pastor jeff um i became a christian through crew in college with absolutely no exposure to the gospel before that and he and i both um really sensed that god was calling us to ministry through this ministry and also trained us in ways that i'm not sure we could have gotten in other ways um so crew high school seeks to train students with the tools and resources to reach their friends their teammates their teachers, and even their own families for Christ. And we do that through one-on-one discipleship and through outreach events. So we are going to partner with other <laughs> churches. With um, We're going to be a part of community programs. Um, some of those, some myself and some from the church have gone to the greater than heroin meetings here in the community that are being put together so that we can mobilize Medina County, County to help fight the problem with heroin. And so I want to be a part of that as a crew staff member because I want the school to know that I care about kids and their families who are struggling with addiction and this huge problem in Northeast Ohio. So we're going to partner with community programs. We're going to host monthly outreaches and we're going to interact with kids at the library and at the rec center and at community events and at school events. Just like what Pastor Tom talked about with Paul today, we're going to go and be a part of their lives in the places where they are. Um, As we invest in these high school students, they're going to find a supportive and caring community here at Hope Church, at area churches, and with crew. Many, many students, I think what saddens all of our hearts as we look at high school students is they feel lost. They feel like they don't belong. Um, Can you go back, Mike, to just that one slide with the five guys? Yeah. So Chris, who's in the green shirt on the end, the left side. Yeah, right side, whatever. Um, The dark green shirt. I um, sat down with him, I guess now it was about a year ago, And I looked him straight in the eye and said, Chris, you belong as a part of crew. We want you to be a part of things. He'd be in and out. He'd come to some meetings. He'd go away. He was um, introverted. And then he'd be the life of the party. And I just knew that Chris wanted to be a part of things, but he was struggling. And come to find out, he was simply struggling because he didn't feel like his walk with God was up to par to everybody else in the group which all of us struggle with that, right? And I just sat down with him at a coffee shop and said, Chris, you belong as a part of crew. We care about you. And let me talk to you about your walk with the Lord. And so now today, these are his best friends. I see things on Instagram all the time. The guy standing next to him, he says things like, I couldn't live without this guy. This guy is my jam. This, you know, he's the best. And so just watching him become a part of this movement and belong. He worked for Chick-fil-A, and he blossomed after all of that. He became a manager. He went and opened a new restaurant. He just came alive and began walking with God more closely and more confidently. It was really an exciting thing to see. And so investing in coming alongside of these students and helping them to be a part of a supportive community really can change their lives. So, from there, after being involved with them here in high school, we get to play a part in helping students go to college with not only good intentions to walk with the Lord, but with a plan and connections to Crew or another ministry on campus, at whatever college they choose. So, Crew seeks to turn students into Christ-centered laborers for a lifetime. We seek to help students live the gospel doing ministry wherever they are. And students are capable of so much. And we will get to sit back and watch these lives be changed and to see them change lives that they interact with. So now we get to have an influence on the high school students in a new way. But we're also going to get to have an influence on these colleges, which is exciting. Let me just show you this quick video. Um, This kind of tells you a little bit of the potential that high schoolers have Um, right in the walls of their own high school. And if I could show you an even longer video, it would show you teachers, administrators, and students, teachers and administrators first saying, there are rules here. There are things we cannot do. There are things we cannot talk about. There are things that we want to say, but we are heavily restricted. And they would say, "Crew High School can come in and do something that we cannot do. But they also, crew High School, can come alongside of the students outside of the school. So we'll do it both ways. And it will be um, essential to be able to mobilize people who are willing to do that. So how is this all going to happen? Well, we need you. And by you, I mean adults and also high school students. So one way is to help financially with crew. Um, Because I'm on staff with CREW, we raise our own support and see our salary come in by individuals coming on our team. So I have about $900 in monthly support left to raise. When I raise $200, I get to start working 15 hours a week with CREW. And then when I raise the rest, I'll be 25 hours a week with CREW. So in order to do the necessary hours, I will need to be at full support. Also, we're looking to raise $1,000 to fund outreaches for this year. What we're going to do is have monthly outreaches in the community where students from any high school can come and be a part of it. From Highland to Buckeye to Medina to Strongsville to North Royalton to right here in Brunswick. It doesn't matter where they go to school. And we'll do outreaches like a coffeehouse open mic night, we'll do a Scene 75 crew night, Maybe a Taco Bell Tuesday, if we can get them to donate, Um, a giveaway night, a teacher appreciation night, an educator prayer breakfast, basketball, volleyball tournament, a Valentine's Day event where the guys serve the girls, a lip sync competition, a hoedown. I think you get the idea. So we want to give students a fun place where they can hear the gospel and respond to Christ. So that's what we need that thousand for. As far as reaching students um, and serving with Crew, let me talk first to you high school students. You might want to consider committing to reaching students at your School for Christ. No matter what school you go to, you can commit to doing that through Crew. Maybe you've wanted to, and you haven't really known how, or maybe you haven't really known who would have your back, because again, there are rules. And what are the rules exactly for students? Inviting students to the monthly outreach might allow them to feel like they belong. This is kind of more on their turf, and it can be a huge stepping stone to coming to youth group or church. So that's something for you high school students to consider. For you adults, maybe you have a heart for high school students, or maybe you just plain have access to them, maybe through your job, your neighborhood, through your kids, and you can invite them to all these outreaches. And I would venture to say that many of you have the ability to invest in these students and disciple them. Maybe you've never considered that before. But we're having a training on Saturday, August 5th, and this is worth coming to, even if you're not quite sure that this is for you. The reason is because we will equip you with everything you need to reach these kids for Christ. We will give them a chance to respond to the gospel at these outreaches, and then we need people to follow them up. How do we do that? How do we talk with them? How do we meet with them? We're going to have these exciting opportunities. And I was really struck when we talked about in 1 John a couple weeks ago how really coming to a mature faith involves being a mother or father in the faith and that that is a catalyst for growth in our lives that really you can't get any other way. And I've definitely seen that in my life. As I've been entrusted with people to invest in, my faith has grown deeply, my leadership skills, my ability to deal with so many different situations. And I would really challenge you, think about that. Think about investing, discipling, and mentoring um, a high school student. So in your bulletin today, you have a little sheet that you can fill out and get back to me. You can give it to me personally or you can give it to one of the staff members. They'll make sure I get it. But in it are some options. Um, The first one is, I'm a high school student and I would like to help reach the students in my school for Christ. Check that. Um, Or I'm an adult or college student and would love to hear about opportunities to serve. Check that. Um, Maybe you're an adult or college student and you would like to attend that volunteer training check that on the sheet. Um, Or you would like to help me get fully funded so that I'll be able to spend the necessary hours with crew. You could check that or go to the website right there. And then finally, I would like to help with the crew High School Outreach Ministry, and you could check that. So write down your best way for me to contact you, your name. I'll get back to you. And I really think it's going to be an exciting time. I think that um, to see students and siblings students' teachers, um, all of these people that students' lives touch day in and day out come through our doors would be a really exciting thing to see God do. So thanks. Thank
0: you. As that last slide says, Nicole will have a table uh, out in our cafe right out this door to your right. Uh, Stop by the table. This is a ministry that's part of our budget uh, right now, we are supporting this ministry on a monthly basis. The number of our staff uh, are supporting this ministry already. Right, so I encourage you to fill out that card, stop by the table, uh, visit with Nicole, ask questions. Uh, we just really feel like God is giving us an incredible opportunity uh, at the high school. And it's really, I just want you to know, it's not just uh, a Hope Church thing. Uh, Nicole has made contact with several area churches uh, that are also going to be a part of this ministry. So it's not just a Hope Church is doing this. This is really a community effort uh, to get this going and bless this and support this and serve uh, in this. So um, I just want to read a few scriptures and then we're actually going to pray and that'll be the rest, uh, the end of our service. But just want to again, read what Paul said uh, again in Athens. He said to the people, He said, from one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them in the exact places where they should live. That's significant for you and I as followers of Jesus that God determined that we are to live right now. We could have been determined to live 10 years from now or 50 years from now or 100 years from now or 100 years earlier. God said, I want you to live now in the place you live. Again, we, we joked earlier, like you might not like where you live right now. And, and, but you really might like it. But but wherever we might be, God I don't know, how orchestrates behind the scenes. That's where I want them to live. So so why does he put us there? Why did he put our family on Jefferson Avenue? Why? And Paul answers the question God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So why is he not far from those that you live around? Because God's presence is in you and goes with you. And like what David Fitch said earlier, God is present all over the world right now. Yet he becomes visibly present There are people who make his presence known. So you and I have the privilege. We've been invited into this big story that God is telling to make God known. In the normal places of life, our neighborhoods. Some of you right now, at the summer season, you are traveling all over northeast Ohio and beyond because of traveling sports. Soccer, baseball, lacrosse, and I'm not even naming all the sports. You're traveling. So as you go to these places, you are carrying, bringing the very presence of God to those places. We talk about God's presence here in this gathering. God doesn't just stay here, but he goes with us into our neighborhoods, the fields, workplace the gym, the place you frequent, God's there. And we have the opportunity to bring his presence. And I like what Paul, the response, you might wonder what happened in Athens, that people respond. And it's good for us to understand what might be some responses as we partner with crew, as we live this out in our neighborhoods, as we live this out on the, uh, as we travel to the soccer games, as we go to the gym, what, is it, what, might this, what might be the responses? In verse 32, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, some of them mocked him, some said, Paul, this is dumb. And friends, that might be the response of some people around you. But others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. That's what I long for. That we do these relationships and have these conversations in such a way that people say, you know what? I'd like to hear more about that. Or can we talk again? Can we get coffee again? Can we talk more about it? And then, even better than that, at that at that time, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Oropagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. So there was a response. Some, whether it be, it's, it's few, but some said, "We believe this," and that's what we long to see in high school students, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. As someone said, "I want. I want to believe. I believe. I want to give my life to Jesus," as we love our city. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to invite you to stand and uh, I'm going to pray and kind of send us from this place to make the presence of Christ known as we go from here. So God, thank you so much for these moments together. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for speaking to us through the various elements and um, of this gathering. And Lord, I'm thankful that you're a God that's at work. You've already been at work. Before we ever... Uh, thought about being starting a crew ministry. You were already at work in the high school. God, before Hope Church was started, you were already at work in Brunswick and you have invited us to join you. So God, as we go from this place, you don't stay here and wait for us to come back. But God, if we know you as our Lord and Savior, your presence, your Holy Spirit goes with us and is in us and we carry the very presence of God to the various places we will go. Some going on vacation this week, some going back to work tomorrow, uh, some getting ready for fall sports, whatever it might be. Lord, you go with us. God, we realize as we go to these places, we have the opportunity to make your presence known, make you known to people. And God, some will mock. Some will not want to hear it. Lord, others, I pray will say, I want to hear more. And Lord, we do pray that some would say, I believe. So God, would you give us courage, faith as we go from this place? I'm thankful, God. We pray your blessing on each one of us, your presence, your Holy Spirit to come upon us. We don't go in our own strength or abilities. We go in your power today. I pray even for a generosity of support for crew through partnership with finances and just being involved in that ministry. Would you... Just wow us with what you're going to do this school year in the Brunswick High School and beyond. And we pray these things, God, in your name. Amen.